so that those who do not see might see. What a fitting final Mass altogether that really wraps everything up and reminds us that we came here to see. But not just to see stones, not just to see sights, but to learn to see as God sees. Right? Because visiting a place, that's great, that's fine. It might be an emotional experience that is profound, that stays with us, But if we remain unchanged, then what was the point? You see, the the, the Lord brought us to all of these different places so that we may finally see, not as man sees, but as God sees. Which we can only gain another's vision if we have trust in them. Remember the trust-building exercises that you might have had to do as kids where you were blindfolded and somebody else had to lead you and your friends were untrustworthy and would lead you right into a wall? Well, Jesus is not like those friends. But if we're to see as God sees, that has to be based in a relationship of trust with him. Now, we've been able to calm the skeptic in us for a lot of things, by seeing this was the spot where he was. This is not some uh, well-constructed mythology, but this is God entering into history. Here is the tomb and there is no body, but there is a glorified body we receive at every Mass. We've been able to see so much, but have we yet gained vision? That's what the Lord wants for us. That's why this, this image of This man born blind, healed, but only if he cooperated. That's a wonderful image for us. Go wash in the pool of Siloam? Why? Why would God have him do this extra thing when he created those eyes? He didn't even have to touch him. He didn't have to create clay or mud, use his spittle. He could have just by a word, just by a thought, healed this man. But healing takes time, and healing takes our free choice, takes our cooperation. So to all of us, yes, we have been able to look upon so much, but if we want to gain full vision, to see as God sees, we go back to our homes, and we wash in the pool of Siloam. What does that mean? Well, that means that we engage our faith. The bare basics, but with a renewed sense of devotion. We don't come back just with a bunch of pictures of things that we saw, experiences that we had. We go back and we say, okay, Lord, I want to work with you because I want to see things as you do. And what are the things that he wants us to see as he does? More, More importantly than all else, he wants us to be able to see ourselves and others as he sees us and others. That's sometimes the toughest thing in the world. We might come back and say, you know what, I have a renewed love for all these people that annoy me. You know what, I'm going to be kinder to my family. I'm going to be better at work. I'm going to be a little angel. I'm going to be so great. And then we get back to that silent place of prayer. Or we look in that mirror And we're unchanged in how uncharitable we are to ourselves. 
Maybe all that we see are all the faults, all of the failures, all of the wounds. And we're blind to the glory of who God has made us to be. That's where he needs to fix our vision. And, and that happens through the mundane, day-to-day, I'm living with Jesus. Going to wash in the pool of Siloam, that makes so little sense. right? It's, it's almost a fulfillment of um, in the Old Testament, where it's like, what? Washing the Jordan River? Like, come on, you saw how muddy that is. But I guess I'll do it a few times. And there was a healing that occurred then with the prophet. And there was a healing that occurred here with Jesus. And there is a healing that needs to occur with us. We got the first part of the healing by being here. Now the next part of the healing comes when we go home and we re-engage in just the day-to-day stuff of, of our lived experience, but we do it now saying, you know what? Maybe before my motivation was I just need to do this because it's what needs to be done. Now my motivation is that I trust that Jesus is doing something even in this. I trust that he is healing me even through this. And, and so I'm going to go back to my parish with all of, of all that's good about it and all that's bad about it. I'm going to go back to my family with all that's good in my family and all that really needs the love of Jesus. I'm going to go back to my place of work. And in all of these places, I'm going to say, all right, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to treat that as washing in the pool of Siloam. And what does Siloam mean? It was just explained in the, in the gospel. Sent. You're apostles. Friends, we stayed at Magdala, which is the place where the apostle to the apostles was born and raised. We walked the shores of Galilee where Jesus called the apostles. We traveled all the way north and pretty much all the way south to the peak of Israel's faith here in Jerusalem to the lowest point on planet Earth in Jericho. We've been his disciples. Now we get to be his apostles. And and it's not just with eloquent messages that we go out and we spread the gospel. More than anything, it's with our own selves having the courage to be healed enough to see ourselves and others and God himself as God sees all of this. And not just through our own eyes. Right, what a beautiful passage from Samuel. Not as God sees does man see. For God sees the appearance, but God sees into the or for man sees the appearance, but God sees into the heart. That could be our prayer in this final day as things wrap up, as we're trying to begin to process all that we've seen. We can say, Lord, grant me new vision. I want to see myself as you see me. And then here's the kicker. I want to love myself as you love me. And then we think of all the people that we're already maybe dreading going back to. Some of them were missing. Others were like, oh, can, we, can they go on vacation now? <laughs> and we say, Lord, can I see them as you see them? And can I love them as you love them? Because ultimately what we want is for every encounter to be a visitation experience. 
That's what we're celebrating here in this place. That Mary and Elizabeth were able to have an encounter of great joy because of two things. First, Elizabeth was able to recognize in Mary Jesus. And the child in her womb did what? Leapt. Leapt for what? Joy. For joy. You see, John the Baptist, born in this place, in this very place, John the Baptist was the greatest of all prophets. Now, what do we think of with prophets? Usually we think angry message, doom, 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 doom. Judgment on you all. And yet his first prophetic act was to leap for joy. You see, so much is wrong in the world, so much. But we've bought into the lie that spit up from the bowels of hell that the way to respond to brokenness and evil is with anger. Anger has been eating us alive as a church. I, I know so many people who are shells of the men and women that I once knew because they have bought into the, the lie that they, in order to prove their orthodoxy, have to be angry. Friends, we can't buy into that lie. We need to realize that the greatest prophecy is to recognize Christ and leap for joy in that moment. Yes, that means that we have to fight anything that is um, uh, disfiguring uh, our image of Christ. Yes, that means that we absolutely have to be on guard uh, against anything that is uh, blinding people to him. But is our motivation anger at what's bad or joy at what's good? Because anger at what's bad, that's just going to eat you up. Joy at what's good is going to give you unlimited strength. Today, one of the readings for morning prayer is the joy of the Lord must be your strength. This is a place of joy. So we see from uh, our imitation of Elizabeth, it's do I recognize Jesus in every single person because he's there? And if I don't see him, the problem's not Jesus. The problem's not the other person. The problem's my eyes. I need some more Jesus, right? I, I need him to make that clay, and then I need to wash in the pool of Siloam. I need his grace, and I need my free cooperation. Because there is not a person who is not created in the image and likeness of Jesus. And how much joy can I have in my life? And inst if instead of seeing other people as obstacles to my joy, I see them as encounters with my Lord. And then Mary, right, guaranteed way to just <sighs> make us go like that is just to mention her sweet name. Mary brought Jesus in the first ever Eucharistic procession to this place. It was here he was first recognized, but she brought the greatest gift that she ever could to her cousin which was not only her own sense of service. It was not only her saying, yes, I want to help you, but it was her realizing, I can't help you the way you need to be helped. But the one that I carry within me, he can. And so I imitate Elizabeth by recognizing Jesus in the other. I imitate Mary by bringing Jesus to the other. So often... One of the reasons we're robbed of joy is because we've placed the burdens and the responsibility 
of everything on our own shoulders. We think, I need to fix it, right? My family, oh, somebody is straying from the faith or making a bad decision or this or that. This person's sick, that person's sad. I need to fix all of it. And then we start to resent these people because they're not helping us help them. (laughs) Instead of realizing they need the one that I carry within me. They, they need Jesus. And so I need to be filled with him if I'm going to give them what they need. So we might want to go back and say, oh, I'm going to save the world. I saw Jerusalem, and now everybody is going to be better for it. Yes, but only if you bring them Jesus. If you bring them postcards, souvenirs, pictures and stories, that's great. But let's bring them Jesus as well. Let's bring them Jesus first. Let's be filled with him in this place. Let's refill ourselves with him through daily prayer, through frequent sacraments, so we can give people the one for whom their hearts long. And in giving them Jesus, we can give them joy. And in the act of giving Jesus, we may be filled with joy.